you are listening to the Faith and the Fast Life podcast uh, with Fast Life Ministries. As always, be sure to check out www.fastlifeministries.com and you can reach the give button on there if you'd like to hear more and help us to continue to bless this ministry and bless the word of God through so many different souls and testimonies uh, as, we, as we hear what they have to say. So we have uh, Brandon Heideman with us this morning. On with Brandon. Brandon, uh, Camp Royal. You know, it's a big thing uh, that, that I, I believe you created. I love how you, um, on all of your Facebook pages and all that stuff, you say second in command. And I, I, I believe... Uh, I'm really compelled by that because uh, we all know that there's only one that's first, right? That's right. That's right. So, so cool. Camp Royal. We'll talk about that a little bit more here, here soon, but what's, what's your story, Brandon? Where'd you come from? Where, where'd you, uh, what'd you grow up doing? I know you're, you're, you're part of this fast life thing we got going where you're always going fast. Um, Tell us more about it. Uh, thanks, Nick. It's an honor to be here this morning with you guys, and uh, I, I love hanging out here. Um, yeah, God has done some pretty incredible stuff, and he's just getting started with what uh, kind of our chapter in this thing called time is. But um, gosh, you know, as far as my story goes, we go back to when I was almost five years old, growing up in Colorado, Um my dad went on a, a kayaking trip. I'm just diving straight into the meat here. My, uh, my dad went on a kayaking trip and um, he didn't come home from that. He actually went to his real home. Um, and so he, he, he died on that kayaking trip when I was almost five. And that left my little sister who was two and me, I was again, almost five. My mom, she was 26 and um, a new stage of life where we we had a new normal to get used to and that kind of was the beginning of the story where God has brought us to today and where he's he's taking us but um I just grew up as a little guy wanting a dad to affirm me just like anybody does but um I was looking everywhere you know I, I was really craving somebody to say hey man you're you're strong enough you're fast enough you're you've got what it takes, you know, you're worth it. You know, all the things that all of us crave to hear, but mine was on hyperdrive because I was missing that dad figure in my life. And so, um, I'll skip to a couple of the high points, but man, that took me to, uh, racing motocross. I found a, a, a motorcycle in our shed at this place that we were renting and, uh, love at first sight, man. It was, it was like, I, I had, uh, falling in love the moment that door opened and I saw that little green motorcycle and I, I, uh, convinced my very brave single mom to let me get a bike. And I started, you know, riding that thing and training. And I said, mom, I want to race this thing. I want to, I want to go out and compete. And so did that for a little while and got, um, to a point where I was pretty serious about it. And, decided I was going to homeschool. So my mom was working full time and I went into homeschooling and I had that as my motivation. I would homeschool myself in order to have two jobs so I could afford to go to the races on the weekends. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> so, what a, what a wild way to grow up. But right. How old were you when you, when you saw that bike? I was, um, I was, I think four years old when I saw that bike. So right. it was, 
it was one of those moments where it, it like it just caught my heart. I don't know what to say about it. <laughs> right. Did so, so did you talk your like you you mentioned your dad passed away kayaking. Um was that yeah. obviously here in Colorado. And so yes, you, you had found this bike. I'm just trying to paint this picture here. I've seen I'm seeing it all in my head because I I I I know that same uh attraction to that thing, right? Like you can, you know, it goes fast, you know, it's dangerous and you, you just want to get on it. Like there's just this thing that draws you to it. It's like, and at that age, I look now, you know, 40 years old now and I I see the injury. I don't see the success. So I jump on the motorcycle (laughs) now and I go, you know, I could jump that. But if I don't mm-hmm. make it, I'm probably <laughs> going to break my femur and it's going to be an ugly situation. Right. So, but at, at that age, like you, you don't think about that. Um, yeah. so yeah, you, you find this bike, you're getting into this, you're homeschooling now, single mom, you know, for those that don't know Colorado, um, Buena Vista is not exactly a big city where the motocross track just happens to be down the street. That's, that's um, so, a good point. So where did you travel to? Did you have to go into Colorado Springs or were you going where, I mean, are you just going all over? To start out, um, I did a lot of, of traveling to the Springs or Colorado Springs um, to, you know, there's a, several good tracks outside of Denver. Um, one that's Thunder Valley. It's, it's a, an incredible national track um that one is actually they've had a, a world championship race there before and and, and it's an, an amazing track um there's oh man i don't know probably 15 tracks around colorado probably five or six of them are worth really talking about and then um then we've got um a couple private tracks that we ended up building um so we would have places closer to home but yeah, that's, that's how I grew up is traveling a lot. Right. And so that led you, you kind of, at some point went to the professional circuit on some level, right? I did. Yeah. Yep. And so I was 17, um, raced my first pro race when I was 17 and then, uh, kept going for a few years after that. And that took me to Southern California and over to Florida during the winter times. And, uh, <clears throat> just was on the circuit the whole time, just loving it, thinking that God had created me to to race motorcycles. And what was funny about it, again, coming back to that identity piece that I was craving, I would see dads hanging these things they call clipboards, uh, or not clipboards, they're your pit board, out and um, they write with a magic marker or dry erase marker on there, like how fast you're going, what your lap times are, you know, little tips like keep your elbows up look through the corners those kind of things i see the the dads lay those out um hang them over over the side of the track for the guys going by and i pretend that was my dad and i would look at that advice and be like all right cool sweet i've got the support i need i know what i need to do mm-hmm. and um that there was just this this kind of elephant in the room that i was always just wishing i had that affirmation and i think that really drew a drive out of me to this racing that I knew I had to perform in order to get that, that affirmation. Cause the more, you know, I would win races, the more I would get that attention. And I was like, okay, now I'm worth something. I know that I'm kind of filling that hole inside, you know, saying, okay, I, I do have value. I do have a, you know, something that people want. And so that drew me to, you know, the level of, of riding in the pro class and, and I was having a blast. And then it was, oh man, I was 21, uh, I believe. And I just, 
I was at a race, a national race in Oklahoma. And I remember pushing my bike to um, the, the people that inspected your bike before the race. And they would see if, if it qualified for the class you were in. Mm. And um, I passed a guy putting up a sign saying church service after riders meeting. And I thought, oh, man, I'm, I'm on the road all the time. That'd be awesome to go to church. I, I miss going to church at home. And so I stopped by that church service and I just felt like God was sitting next to me, talking to me audibly saying, Hey, I don't need your name. I just want your heart. Mm. You know, I don't need you to, to become a big name and become famous. Um, I just want you to love the people around you. I've surrounded you with people and you, you have an opportunity that I'll take you way further than, than motocross will ever take you. If you'll just trust me with this. And um, that was a, that was a hard moment because that was my identity, you know? Yeah. We're so good. It's so easy for all of us to get caught up in that. Um, You know, whatever level that might be like, and all the different professionals out of there, you know, I, I've never been a professional motocrosser or professional athlete in any way, but a, a professional salesman, um, you mm. know, I've worked on that and get that. We talked about a little bit of my story about diving deep and wanting to be number one salesman of the year over and over and over again. And that was always my drive until I found God. And then it mm. kind of changes a little bit and it's about other people. Yeah. And, and what does it look like inside that, you know, motocross industry, you know, how much, how much darkness is in there? You know, <clears throat> just like anything, there's an enormous battle over people's affection, attention, worship. Um, motocross in itself is a brutal industry when it comes to the amount of um, just pressure. And um, there's a very, very strong presence of the enemy trying to steal people's affection like that. Motocross itself is is an idol to so many people. When you get hooked on it, you're just that's all you can think about. Um, just like any any sport that people take seriously. Um, but there's also a huge, huge side of motocross that I think is beautiful to talk about just the 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 amount of discipline and family presence and um just focus on being healthy and, and taking care of your body and, and all that. So there's, there's, there's a really good side of it. And there's a lot of, actually, there's a really big presence of, of just people that believe and follow the Lord in motocross. And I have to give some huge accolades to my buddy, um, Kevin Kozad, who runs MXers for Jesus. He's bringing, uh, um, just, church services to all the amateur national races around the u.s and then um, <laughs> excuse me scott parkinson who is doing um you know rev um we've got team faith there's there's several motocross ministries out there that are just incredible so anyhow there's there's a good side and a dark side of the sport for sure right. just like everything in the world right so yeah here you are 21 years old i think you said you you found church service at the races and God's yep. pulling you. Where where did he take you next? So, man, <clears throat> it took me three weeks um, to say yes to this thing that that I had heard. You know, the Lord designed, hey, I need your heart, not not your name. I want you to start traveling and doing church services and, and 
you know, rider support with the families and whatnot. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, like I've put everything I have into this. Um, and I'm finally just at the edge of, of realizing my, my dream. And <clears throat> so I, I ended up saying yes, crying myself to sleep, literally talk about a tough guy. I was, I was crying myself to sleep every night for three weeks straight, terrified about who I would be if I wasn't known as a motocross racer, mm -hmm. because that's where my value came from. And I'm like, Lord, if this is really what you want, then you have to tell me who I am because I'm scared. I don't know where my value comes from anymore. I don't know what, I don't know what I offer the world. And is anybody going to, you know, is anyone going to want me <laughs> if I'm not racing a motorcycle? And it sounds silly saying it out loud, but that was where I was at. And um, so after saying yes to him, I just started traveling with Kevin doing them extras for Jesus for a while. And, and um, that was about two and a half years and spent with him. And then I had a bunch of friends that I would cross train with that were in the mountain biking industry. <clears throat> and now we're, we're getting to about 2005 and they said, Hey man, would you come over and do the same thing for our races as you're doing in the motocross races? And so, um, I started a nonprofit, just started a little action sports ministry, basically is what it was just to be able to get to the different races. And here we go. That was, that was when we started this ministry called, called Royal. And, uh, that was, that was a, a blast, man. We, we went all over the place to New Zealand to, I mean, everywhere around the U S all these motor or I mean these mountain bike races and just brought this this message of God loves you. He doesn't want you to be religious and like robotic. He he does he's not about a list of rules and you performing. It's about what he has done to make you worthy to be his son or his daughter and you appreciating and, and enjoying that uh, just that life that he's made available for you. And so it's very identity centric. Um from the beginning but yeah that, that i mean that led me to another huge moment in my life nick that we um that i'll touch really briefly on this is a moment where god shifted things even more for me um it gets kind of heavy here i um i'm 23 at this point uh turn i just turned 24 actually and a girl that i had been dating for about seven years her name was abby um, comes into play here. Um, I'm in California doing a, an interview about the mountain bike and motocross ministry. And th it was really cool how God was lining this up. There was just a, a major story that we were putting together for this magazine. And the, um, in the middle of the photo shoot for this, this interview, I get a phone call that my my dog, who his name was Echo, he was a about eighty five percent wolf, um, fifteen percent husky. He was left at home in Colorado with some great friends of mine, and he had gotten out. He went out to to go to the bathroom or something, and and he found some elk. Decided to chase after these elk, and uh, long story short, somebody called the police for this dog that was harassing wildlife, and they came out and they actually shot Echo. And I got this phone call saying, hey, um, Echo's been shot and we need to press charges and this and that. And I'm, 
I'm in the middle of this interview going, what, what is happening? You know? And, and so we canceled the, the interview. I'm tore up. I'm like, this, this can't be real. And my buddies were like, man, what, what can we do to just get our minds off this? Let's, let's go ride. Let's go get our bikes on the track. Let's just ride. And so we pull our bikes up to the track, unload them, get them on the track. We were on a third lap, just kind of breaking into it. I'm getting my mind off everything and my throttle sticks over this, this pretty decent sized jump. And I land and it swaps and throws me off the bike. Um, I land off the track on a rock and I go to stand up and I've got a, a second knee about oh, oh, 12 inches above my left knee. So in other words, my femur was broken in half and I stood up and it buckled right about halfway up my femur and I fall on the ground and, and all of a sudden I'm being rushed to the hospital. I don't have health insurance turns out because it had just lapsed. And so now I'm $80,000 in debt in the hospital and my dog's gone. And I'm like, Lord, what is going on? Well, this sounds I'm like right. a country song right now. Right. Let's, let's pull out a guitar real quick. Right. <laughs> it gets better. <laughs> and then I'm sitting there going, okay, Lord, you've got me. I'm humbled. Um, just help me get through this. Like what's going on. And so I get back home to Colorado and this girl that I was telling you about that I'd been dating for about seven years. I tell her, I'm like, Hey, you know, I believe we're supposed to get married. Let's get married. I would love to. And so it wasn't a proposal, but it was more of like this, this is what I, I mean, I'm committing my heart to say, this is where we should go. Let's, let's look at this. Let's talk about this. And she said, yeah, I'd love to. Um, let's, let's take that step. And the next morning after that, um, she was driving to actually lead worship at a couple of different churches in the Vale Valley. And <clears throat> she, uh, went sideways on some ice and rolled the car and ended up upside down in the river and drowned. Oh, and so the next morning I get this phone call saying, Hey, um, Abby has been, um, she's, she's, she was killed in a car accident and i was like oh my gosh you know all in five days i ended up losing echo broke my femur lost every bit of momentum with the ministry and with my job that i was i was involved in eighty thousand dollars in debt and now abby was gone and i hit this kind of rock bottom moment where i was like okay lord like i either feel like i need to be really really mad at you <laughs> or I just surrender and I don't even, I don't know. I have no, I don't have a voice in this situation. You just tell me what's up. Like you just lead me to where you want me to go. Cause I trust you. And those are my two options. And I thank God that I chose the one to say, I, I just let go. I let go. I trust you, whatever you want to do through this. And I just, I don't have any other option. And <clears throat> Nick, I, I promise you, this was the most incredible moment because I, I had this picture, this vision, like the pain was still there, but oh, like there's this, this peace that went through my body that I couldn't explain and a joy, even though I was so gutted about everything that had just happened, there's this joy in my heart of God is sovereign. He's on the throne and I don't care what happens in this life. This isn't this isn't the end 
story. Like there's a different story going on that's not seen. And what I see is just temporary. What I don't see is eternal. And I saw this vision of him pulling me away from the earth and all these things, these strings were attached to my heart. All of these things that were really good. Echo, my job, the ministry, Abby, uh, all this stuff. But the further he pulled me away, each of these little things, these strings, if you will, would rip away from my heart and he would leave a wound. But every single one of those broke away. And I found that I was okay without all of them because I had him. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you don't need anything in this world. I am enough for you. I am everything you need. And there's this moment of feeling kind of invincible, if you will. Just being like, I could lose everything and I'm still okay. I could do, it doesn't matter what I could face, whether my health was taken away, my finances were taken away, my family was taken away, my career was taken away. It doesn't matter because I belong to my father and he is everything that I need. And it was kind of this awakening moment in my life that really just, it it changed the trajectory for the rest of my life. And that's really, (laughs) that's a big reason where we are, why we're, I'm sorry, why we're at where we are, because there have been a lot of choices and decisions we've had to make that kind of fell back on that, that moment, if that makes sense. Right. Like that's uh man, like, uh, I can't help but to, to, to sit here and just, you know, revel in that for a minute and be like, wow, like, like, you know, I think all of us out there, like we, we think that we have uh big problems going on. Right. Like, uh, mm-hmm. and then you look at that situation and, and I mean, everything like the, the, the level of devastation that you experienced in the matter of five days. And yet God was able to help you see a brighter path through him. And how many of us are, are, uh, you know, lose our job, um, you know, girlfriend breaks up with us, you know, and, and we're just absolutely devastated. I know like on a personal level, like I've been devastated so many times in my life and I, I, before I knew Christ and I, I didn't have that same background and, and what a blessing that, that God was there for you and, and just, you're able to triumph because of his love for you rather than turning deeper into darkness the way I did in so many situations, you know, stuff it down deep, don't deal with it, turn to drugs and alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Man, the, the father is good. God is good. He is. Man, and there's so many false or like um, counterfeit offers, right? Like yeah. the enemy wants to numb. He's like, hey, just numb it. Just forget about it. Just try to ignore it. It'll go away. Or just get a, get a break. You deserve a break. Just ignore it for a second. These these band-aids that just create infection, man. It's like the yeah. world is full of cheap offers that destroy us, but the father's sitting there going, Hey, let me replace your your fear and any voice of shame or any ver- any any threat of insecurity. Let me let me hold you and let me show you what it really feels like to to let the sh- the the pressure off, you know, there's a, there's a quote that one of my really good friends and and one of my mentors says all the time, he said, the stakes are so high, but the pressure's off Mm. because the father's in control. Mm. If you were in control, we're screwed. The father's in control. 
you know. And that's a whole nother battle for uh, everybody out there that, you know, even as you become a Christian and you get closer to God, that, that it's a, it's a daily, you know, the, the Bible said to uh, take up your cross daily and follow me. Right. That's what Jesus right. sold him. It, it didn't, it didn't say you pick it up one time and everything's going to be perfect. Like it's a daily battle. It's daily to overcome self and to put God first is a daily challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just pray that, that so many listeners out there will take that challenge the way Brandon has and, and so many others. So, so here you are, you know, devastated and God's, you know, speaking into your life that it's, it's going to be okay because he's greater than all these things that, that are trying to overcome you. Um, where, where'd you go next? You know, how does that, you know, Royal is working, but now you're not doing Royal because you're injured. Um, you're back yeah. in Colorado. <clears throat> well, I have, um, a season of, of just reflecting ahead of me at that moment where there was, um, there was a lot of time to just process and I couldn't do anything. So I spent a lot of time playing my guitar and spent a lot of time thinking about where we could go next with the ministry and whatnot. And you fast forward, um, four years. And this is when we went from doing what we were. Well, actually there's a cool moment in here. I have to just briefly mention, I went to, we we started doing the ministries. I mean, we never really stopped. Um, but as soon as I was healed up, then we went back on the road and we decided to do more of our own style of events. So we started renting concert venues and bringing athletes in and speakers in. And like we rented Red Rocks Amphitheater one time. Um, that was an amazing show. Um, we had athletes there, speakers there, Switchfoot was there. It was it was an awesome event. Um, actually at the end of that, um, there's a whole story in itself I'll have to tell you about later, but that was a wild, <laughs> a wild moment in my life as well, that God did some big stuff and, and just brought me to a new level of trusting him. Um, but <clears throat> yeah, we started partnering with other ministries, uh, like Luis Palau's organization and doing, uh, festival style events and concerts and whatnot. And then in 2014, he really shifted, the, the Lord really shifted, in my heart, what we existed for. And I had been spending about uh, two and a half years with this, uh, this pastor who was a mentor of mine. Um, Crazy story behind that too. There's so many things God's done that I just don't even know how to explain. But basically he showed up to that event in Red Rocks and said, Hey, I don't know you, you don't know me, but I need to have coffee with you. We get coffee. He says, Hey, I want to know about your faith and your belief. I'm like, Hey, I'm a Christian. Uh, I've been saved by grace. Uh, I'm a sinner, but God loves me anyway. And because of his goodness, I'm going to, you know, be with him forever. He's like, yeah, that doesn't really line up with the Bible. I'm like, what are you talking about? That's all the right Christian stuff I'm supposed to say. Like, what do you, what's your point? And I started getting kind of mad. You know, I was, I was like, who's this guy? He's like, yeah, that just, that's what Christianity, like popular Christianity would tell you, but that's not true according to the Bible. And so anyway, I spent two and a half years with this guy, long story short, and he broke down what the New Testament in the Greek really says about how we were sinners 
and God chose to save us. He made us perfect in righteousness and holiness according to his true nature, Ephesians 4, 23 and 24. He's saying that it's not because of what you've done, but because of what I've done to make you right with me, that now we have an opportunity for a really, really good, tight relationship with no insecurity, no fear, no uh, wondering if you're good enough or you're doing enough, or it's not works-based. It's about identity and who you are as my son, because who I've made you to be. What, what really happened when Jesus died on the cross and the new life that he gave us, it's not about us living up to some standard. It's about us living according to our true identity because of what he's done. And then he gives us the power to, to, to live that way. And it is such a mind-bending process for me at that moment in my life because I'm sitting here thinking, well, Christianity means kind of sin management. Like I need to not do the bad things and do enough good things to make God happy that he made this investment in me. (laughs) And all the while God's like, hold on, stop. Like, I want you to realize what I've done by making you new. You're a new creation. You've been born out of my nature spiritually and now you get to wrestle with this flesh that's going to constantly try to betray you and pull you towards this world don't confuse the two your true identity is spiritual and there's this this um this guy that from france a long time ago he said we're not human beings having a spiritual experience we're spiritual beings having a human experience yeah, I've heard that. So, and that rocked my world thinking about that. You know, it's like, dude, if I'm a spiritual being wearing a human body for maybe 80 years at the most, for me, it would probably be less by the way that I live my life. But you watch, you're going to make it to 99 now. <laughs> it's coming. You, you just, you just challenged and, and God's going to say, you know what? I got something bigger for you, Brandon. You're there going you to go. 99. Hey, I'll take it. I'll take it. But I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not, um, I don't know. I'm excited to go home too. I'm not on a, a fast pace to try to get home, but man, I'll beat this body up to that racing stuff and my other. It's all part of, it's all part of that fast life. That's, that's uh, right, that's going right. fast, going hard. We do it every day on a motorcycle in your work life and your work floor. It's just, it's what this world has become. And our spiritual being is living in a human body in this world going fast. I, I like how you touch on that. We tell Romans six, six says, for we know that our old self was crucified with him so that yeah. the body ruled by sin might be done away with that. We should no right. longer be slaves to sin. And it's important. Like you just mentioned that God did that for us. We didn't yes. do that. Um, and that's, uh, you have know, always been a fan of the, I am second ministries and, and how you talked yeah. about that and the, you know, just putting him first. It's, it's not us that does this. Um, it's, it's him that does this for us. I think that's huge. And it's always funny to me how those things work out. Like you just bring that up. And and last night we're doing a, a men's men's group. We call it the man cave. We get together and, uh, just a fellowship and faith and, and doing our thing. And, uh-huh. and somebody else brought that up too, you know, the testimony and how the testimony sets you free. Um, pulls you out of that darkness. Um, but we got to remember that it's not our testimony. It's his testimony of what he's That's done right. for us. Mm-hmm. So big stuff. So 
man, you just, so you're just moving forward and, you know, he's changing things up. You're doing big events. You're doing big things. You're on the stage and now you've got a new mentor and you all of a sudden realize that it's not about you and what you can do. It's about him and what he's doing. Tell me more. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was this moment I remember feeling like, Oh man, things are finally back on track. Like we're, we're heading the right direction. Things are like, I'm starting to, um, just get it, I guess, comfortable. And which is always a scary thing. And, uh, the direction that we're headed, we have a lot of, um, attention, a lot of, uh, momentum. <clears throat> and then all of a sudden God interrupts it again. He's like, Oh, hold up. Like, I want you to turn left. I'm like, hold on. No, what? Like, we can't turn left right now. We're finally going in a, in a good direction. We're picking up speed. And uh, he's, he literally tells me, it's not about the fireworks. I want the grass to grow wide. And I'm like, mm. what in the world does that even mean? Like, <laughs> fireworks, grass, like, what are you talking about? And I remember wrestling with that and being like, all right, grass? Like, what? what? And as I pressed into the Holy spirit about this, I said, what are you trying to say? You're saying it. What am I, what am I missing? Uh, he's like, it's about discipleship. Aren't you frustrated that you only have four or five hours with people and it's so wide and you're, you're doing all this effort and money to put on this firework show that makes your ministry look good. What about if I give you a platform to pour into people that was going to, really change a generation wake up a generation of millions of people and it's about multiplication instead of addition like we're we're talking one person reaches five people reaches 50 people we're i mean let's talk about big impact by the end of your life let's talk about something very 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 sustainable um and he brought something up, which is so funny how the Lord works, but he had put something on my heart probably 10 years before. And I had been a huge advocate of this with everybody I'd run into. I'd say, Hey, look, there is not an action sports camp, like summer camp that is proclaiming the truth about who God is. There's not a Christian action sports summer camp out there. Like someone needs to start when we have these events going on. We would fill that thing with kids because we would push all of our attendees to that camp. Like, let's somebody please start this. And God pointed back at me and said, why do you think you're so passionate about that? Mm -hmm. And I said, because it needs to be done, but I'm not the guy. And he said, Oh yeah. And uh, th that's our next chapter. He was like, yeah, well, I'm not calling the equipped. I'm equipping mm -hmm. the ones that I call you know, as, as we hear, and I just started this journey with him and there's so many things, we don't have enough time on this to talk about it, but the amount of miracles that God has done, literally miracles, um, to get us to where we're at now, we have just started our first camp and we're looking at a few different locations for our second and third camps. Um, but this is a Jesus X games summer camp in a mix, if you will, for the, the easiest way to say it. And all about identity. And that's what we're working on now. And this has been about six years that we've been working on this project. And we have a camp in West Virginia um, that we have skate, scooter, and um, mountain bike. Well, you know, the freestyle mountain bike. And then um, we've got the, the BMX 
stuff going on. We're, we're going to open a couple other things like digital media and maybe some water stuff like kayaking and, and whatnot here next year. But Oh man, the whole thing is is completely centered around that exact same concept that you and I were just talking about, about who are we as God's children and how do we live out our true identity as God's children? Um, there's nothing more important than that, you know, understanding who you are and your value and the, the best news possible for any of us to hear. I don't care if you're a billionaire or if you're a little grom that's just trying trying on a skateboard for the first time. Like all of us are looking for affirmation. Yeah. We're all, all looking us, to belong, right? Yeah. That's how we've been created. Like our number one need in life is to be loved and to be, and to be valued. Right. And the only one that can truly satisfy that longing is the one that created us and put that desire inside of us. Um, the one that hardwired us for that need of affirmation is the only one that can fulfill it. You know, and he is saying that if you trust me, that I have died for your mistakes. When you've tried to walk away from me, and that's called sin, when you've tried to do it on your own, I gave my life to pay for that 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 mistake or those mistakes where you've fallen short. I paid the bill and I have given you a new life. And I have given you a brand new identity that is a spiritual identity that now when I look at you, I'm reminded of myself because you're part of me. You're one of my kids. And that is where your value comes from. And now you can look at life. You can look at your sport. You can look at your career. You could look at anything through the lens of, I don't need to prove anything to anybody. That That's already been checked off the list. I know who I am. Right. And now I get to go at this with this, this fast life mentality of, I, I just need to just crush this because all I have to, I don't have anything to lose. I don't have yeah. anything to lose. I just need to give everything I have to, to this topic because I'm not looking around me looking for affirmation anymore. Now I'm able to, like we talk to our campers about and, and anyone that comes out to any of our events or any of our like after school programs or uh, gap year programs or anything like, like that. Now, if we're not so focused on trying to fill the hole of affirmation in our own heart, we have so much bandwidth to look at the people around us and say, how can I focus on that person? What do they need? How can I love them? And God is so creative that we're the most fulfilled when we're giving, not when we're trying to take. And so it just is this crazy circle that just continues to feed itself. It's awesome because we get more and more and more fulfilled the more that we help the people around us find what they're looking for. And so it's, it's awesome what God's doing at Royal. I'm so excited about what God's doing. It's so fun. Yeah, incredible stuff of what you what you have going there, and for the youth, and, and so many of these youth, you know, we see it through uh, the wakeboard and wake surf industry that have been part of for so long, and uh, mm. you know, these kids coming up and you know idolizing some of these wakeboarders and stuff like that instead yeah. of uh, yeah. you know following God. Um, so really putting that in front of them and and that faith piece and identity. And the big thing, the big picture is that relationship with Jesus. Right? It's not. Uh, you know, in, in, uh, in Brandon terms here for the motocross side of things, it's not whether you are a Kawasaki Honda or Yamaha guy, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, 
do you have a relationship with Christ? It doesn't matter what church you yeah. attend. Um, it's, it's right. that you're getting to know him. Um, like I said, I, I'm all for church. I, I love our church. I love where we go because I love the people there. Um, mm-hmm. And we feel at home there. But I think it's important for this youth and all these people to know that, you know, just, just get close to God, you know, to yeah. take that walk with him and, and get to know him, have a conversation with him, pray to him and see how things don't turn around in your life and uh, find other people, you know, the iron sharpens iron. So we want to keep looking for that. So, you know, we're uh, looking at uh, wrapping it up here. I want everybody to look at weareroyal.com. Yes, uh, right. Go check out Camp Royal, see what they're all about. Uh, open your heart to give, to kind of continue to bless his ministry. There's always uh, fastlifeministries.com as well. Uh, hopefully yeah. soon we'll get that website linked into each other and see what kind of collaborations we can do here in the future. Um, we really, really appreciate your time today, Brandon. Is there, is there anything else you want to leave the, the listeners with? I just I love, love this opportunity to hang with you this morning and thank you for the time. Um, I think just one thing is just hitting on that last, last bit again, that, God loves us so much that he decided to do the work to make us right with him. Mm. He paid the price and all it requires is us to say, okay, thank you. I believe you. And you have my heart. You have my, like my belief. Like, and God says he gives us that belief. And so if there's anybody listening to this, that feels a tug on their heart to say, I want that relationship with the one that created me. And I want to experience what it means to have the pressure taken off of me to perform and just to sink into my purpose of how I was created, because that's honestly why he created us is to have an intimate relationship with him. And so if anybody that is listening is feeling that tug on their heart, I just ask you, please just spend a second with him and say, yes, that's Mm -hmm. all it takes Just say yes. And they just say, hey, Jesus, show me the next steps. Like, literally, that's as hard as it is. It's just it, it's receiving a gift and believing it's yours. Yep, and I just I challenge you guys to just take a second and, and just let him love you. Let him tell you how much he is crazy about you. Let him reveal to you what kind of plans he has for you, because it'll blow your mind. It will blow your mind. And and you're worth so much more than you think. You have so much more that he has planned for. Like, it, like you have zero idea the level of impact and importance that he has planned for your life. And so just trust him, lean into him, and allow him to do that through you and in you because that's his desire and that's why he created you. And so... Just let go. Let him do what he wants to do through your life. Let him achieve his dreams through your life. Please. Like, that's all I would say. And um, again, the stakes are high for your life and the pressure is off. And I just challenge you to enjoy the one that created you. If that was the last thing I could say with my life, that'd be it. Right. The the simple saying, let go and let God that's right. Right. That's right. It's it's that easy. So Brandon, we are so thankful and blessed to have you with us this morning. Um, thank you for taking time out of your 
and of your fast life to join us. Um, we just pray that God continues to bless your ministry. And we thank you so much for your time. We're excited to get back together here soon. That's right. Hey, thank you, Nick. I appreciate you. And uh, we'll be in touch. If anyone needs anything, just holler up my, uh, my email is brandon at camp-royal.com. And like Nick said, uh, you can find us at weareroyal.com. If you need anything or if you have any questions or anything that I said challenges something that you believe or whatever, I love those conversations. Shoot me an email. Let's talk. I love it. So thanks, Nick. Yep. Um, we'll talk to you soon. Awesome, Thank brother. You. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. You too. We'll see you. Right, later. Bye-bye.